little excitement. We are not part of the uninterrupted. I just want to make that very clear. You what? <laughs> we are not part of the uninterrupted. We didn't change oh, affiliation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No affiliation. Uh, I'm incredibly hyped. Holy Nike's with a good video. <laughs> Sick video. <laughs> so good. I like RJ Hampton. He's got some good vibes. My dogs also very much like him. As, as Is that it? They start recording, they start, uh, they start going crazy. Yeah, they're very, they just, very hyped for They just love draft day. Who doesn't? <laughs> they love draft day. They love free agency no matter what happens. So welcome in, everybody, to a, a emergency uh, edition of the DNVR Nuggets podcast, the DNBA show here live. A lot of people joining. I've seen in the comments for the first time. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss us. We're going to talk today about... <laughs> the last, the first 24 hours of free agency, which feel like the first week of free agency. I mean, think about all the things that have happened in the last 24 hours. It's been crazy. Uh, and here to help me talk about that, the man with the wind in his hair, it's Harrison Wind. The Mike Miller, RJ Hampton, Nuggets connection is just like so pure. I'm just, I'm so here for it, man. I'm, I, we need Mike Miller. I know he's like, I don't, I don't really know what he's doing. There was like a rumor he's going to become an agent. I don't, I don't really know, but. We need him back in in the Nuggets circle of trust. He kind of is now. He's, yeah. Now I, I, I think he probably is. This. I think he's an agent now for RJ Hampton. So I think there's a little a little. Can we talk about his flow a little bit? See the Dude, flow on Mike Miller. Always has had a great flow. Incredible. He's like a it's like a mane of a lion. They're telling me my mic is soft <laughs> here again, so I'm gonna bump this up. Um, you might be soft, but Eric just might be really hot. Oh, am I hot? You're always hot. Um, Ooh, all right. let, me, let me adjust the <laughs> mic here for a second. How are we doing now? This maybe this maybe that helped. Um, all right. So, oh, and then of course D Line Co. You know him as as you know him as D Line Co. Listen to the afterthought. That was disgusting. What a terrible intro. <laughs> Barely remembered to, to all. Um, let me know in the comments if this is um, if my mic's coming a little bit cleaner. If not, I'm gonna have to maybe do a couple crazy things. But guys, so many things happened. So to recap, over the top of what happened. Over the last couple hour, or day and a half, roughly. Well, actually, let's go three days. You know, the Nuggets obviously draft Zeke Nanji and uh, uh, RJ Hampton with the 22nd and 24th pick. They trade in to get those picks. They add uh, Faku Campazzo from Europe, 5'11", wizard of a point guard. And then the all eyes turn to signing Jeremy Grant. And we went live yesterday. We talked about this, our instant reactions. I think today we're going to have a little bit more of our poised, thoughtful, reflective you know, responses to this. I know I've been on the phone quite a bit today. Harrison, I know you have been as well. So kind of gathering some different information, different perspectives on what happened. We're going to talk about Jeremy Grant. The Nuggets entered the, the postseason. By, by their account, with Jeremy Grant as the top priority for them, some crazy things happened in between. I think we have more clarity on. We're going to talk about that. Um, so people saying that Adam's mic is good. Adam's mic is a five. Eric, you're at a seven. So you might have to. You might have to. You might have to turn down. Here, actually, I think I can get you, Eric. I want to make sure this is right because we got uh, edit mic settings. Let me bring you down. Maybe I'll just that? shut my effing mouth. How does no, that? I think, would that I, think be, I got you. Would that make think... people happy? Why, put um, it, why don't you put it at zero? Put it at zero. Uh, but Jeremy Grant's gone, um, and there's a lot of crazy lot, little details to kind of talk about with that one. Um, Paul Millsap returns. That happened today. $10 million, one year, one year. So one more year for, for Paul Millsap. Uh, Greg Whittington. We're going to find out who this guy is, why he was added, what, what maybe he's bringing to the table. And then what other one, what am I forgetting here? There's one other, I have it, I have it gone. Uh, Tory Craig, um, mm. gone, gone. And also, uh, Jim Michael Green replacing Jeremy Grant, kind of, I mean, coming into the roster and I'm kind of excited about that. So first though, let's start about Jeremy Grant and let's talk about that one. You know, yesterday we obviously went live with our sort of instant reaction, um, and it was, I think, 
emotional in a lot of ways because it was just such a shock. I mean, the shock value of Jeremy Grant being gone. In my head, this was a 99.9% done deal. I think for the Denver Nuggets, the read I get on it, it was for them. They felt very strongly that that he was coming back. They had they they felt pretty great about their chances to bring him back all offseason, even all the way up until yesterday. $20 million gets an offer from Detroit. Denver matches, says, hey, we'll, we'll do that too. That was, I, you know. $20 million, certainly above everything we sort of ex- expected and I think would have been a bit of an overpay. But he says, no, thank you. I actually want to be in Detroit. I have a chance there to be a, a more impactful, you know, like a, a lead player on that roster. I don't even know if that's true, to be honest. They have like, they have a lot of players, but he feels that way. And so he chooses there. Harrison, how has your perspective on that deal changed over the last 24 hours? <sighs> I think you're right when talking about just kind of the sticker shock of that decision, uh, because you're totally correct. The entire off season, the Nuggets talked about getting Jeremy Grant back. Like it was a foregone conclusion. And I felt that way too, just from the conversations I had had and how I was reading the situation until I'd say a couple of days before free agency started, I was actually tipped off that Detroit was going to come in with this exact offer. Right. And um, it seemed like blasphemous, twenty million dollars for Jeremy Grant, right. um, but it seems it, insane. Let's yeah. say it how it is. As an overpay, yeah, wow. it's a huge overpay, a massive overpay. Um, but I talked about it when we did the instant reaction podcast. There were a, a lot of factors pulling him to Detroit. The Troy Weaver connection. Um, Troy Weaver, by the way, from the DC area, right? And and so. Um, yep. As is Jeremy Grant. So there's, you know, I think some connections going back there. And he was also the assistant GM in Oklahoma City when right. Jeremy Grant was right. there. Right. Uh, th- there's a strong connection there. Um, but, you know, a- as kind of the sticker shock wore off, I, I think the Nuggets are going to be OK. Um, they rebounded by signing Jamichael Green, which it, and we can talk about him. Mm-hmm. But I, I think they're going to be OK. Last night, it-, it seemed like this could be potentially a disaster. Um I think they're going to be okay. Yeah. What about you, Eric? What's your What's your take on just the the, the <laughs> event of him not signing with Denver? Um, I think it was incredibly shocking. I mean, I was really um, I just felt like you needed to go on the air after that. Like I told Adam uh, Harrison, like the the reason that I even know who Adam is is because after that Tyler Lydon deal, like I was just looking for some sort of like explanation of the world. Like I was looking for we all were to actually. Sort of, just yeah. sort of like talk about like what happened because I was just spinning out of control. Like yeah. none of it made any sense to me. So I in I don't remember exactly how, but I stumbled across you sort of talking about it. And I was like, dude, you got to go on again and sort of like give people perspective, give people yeah. some sort of inside information. Like I was there last night. I was just like behind the scenes. I was like, no one needs to hear my dumb joke idiot face like at this exact moment in time so um that is telling me that it was like a super emotional thing it really felt like brings up feelings of like inadequacy as a fan base like yo like what can we do to yeah yeah oh those those feelings i think were really hard and that's part of it you know tim conley during his era has really talked about bringing in guys culture guys guys that want to be here and Mm -hmm. i think you see RJ Hampton and how excited he was to be a part of there. That's why we played the clip here is because we were talking beforehand. What clip should we go with? It's like, we want the fan base to feel good about it. We just got dumped, right? And we even got dumped by the like fourth or fifth best player on the roster, which is even kind of weirder. It's one thing if you're dumped by, you know, LeBron James leaves you at the altar or something. But when you're like, hey, Jeremy Grant's too good for us. Like, come on, man. We, In a lot of ways, Jeremy Grant went from being a guy that like the diehards knew 
to like his profile really raised, I think, oh, yeah. being with Denver and with the way the playoffs ended. So in a lot of ways, you just kind of feel almost used or whatever. And you get all of those like, look, Jeremy Grant was a free agent. He had the right to go wherever he wanted. He had the right yep. to not tell the Denver Nuggets what his plan was and to maybe, yep. you could say, maybe lead him on, which I kind of feel like. Again, I'm not reporting this, but I'm saying from every account we have, from every quote that's coming out, and of course, you know, from everything we know about this, Harrison, it does feel a lot like he was, like the Nuggets weren't aware that this is what they wanted and were led to believe that he wanted to be here as well. He said as much publicly in all of his, his comments, his exit, you know, whatever, whatever, um, you know, interviews he had leaving the season. So I think that this did, you did feel quite dumped by it. And then I see people saying, you know, here's the thing about the, like, he wanted a bigger role. Doesn't quite feel completely. Of course, anytime a player leaves, there's probably a lot of reasons. Maybe there's main reasons. Jeremy Grant had a fine role in Denver. He was an important player. He was an important yeah. piece. He started in the playoffs. It was clear he was going to start this next season and be on a title contending team. So either you were signaling that going to Detroit, where I'm not sure he's actually going to have a bigger role, but maybe for a team that probably isn't going to contend versus staying in Denver, it's just maybe that was part of the equation. I'm not trying to say he's, you know, it, it's not all of it, but I just don't feel like that. that it doesn't line up to me that, that, that does. It feels like that's part of the story, not the whole right. story. Um, and I think that's what's what's so frustrating about it. The one thing I will say. Jeremy Grant, the Nuggets didn't appear to know what you know. This was the way things were going to shake out, but at least it shook out on day one and yep. early enough that Denver could adjust and get Jim Michael Green. If you remember, with Andre Iguodala, what was it? Three days passed before mm -hmm. Andre, Andre Iguodala is out the door, not letting Denver know what they're doing. And by that point, everybody had been signed. You yep. can imagine what would have happened if Jim Michael Green had already signed. Do you remember? Um, you know, if Paul Millsap had already signed, and Denver sitting here going, "Well, well, now what?" So at least, if, if Nuggets want to look on the bright side, at least there was that. Yeah, do you remember how uh, essentially Golden State gave us a, p a pity pick back by turning it into a sign-in trade? And it was like the sad – it was like, here you go, you sad losers. Like, you can take <laughs> Just this, take this second round take, and shut up. Just go away. Like, because, we, you know, we were just put in such a terrible position. Exactly that. Like, So I want to put this out here because I get this question a lot. We're getting it from Levi Hunt um, here. How much do you think Denver's cheap ownership factored into Grant's decision, training facilities, et cetera? I don't know. I mean, when you talk about like, you know, the little amenities that come with it, I don't know. What I will say is this wasn't, and I saw a lot of people on the timeline last night that just don't, even some like, like analysts or media people that maybe cover, don't just cover the Nuggets and cover a lot of things saying, uh, Kroenke's getting cheap again. I believe that the Nuggets really did match that offer. Yesterday, I was a little more skeptical about it. I wasn't sure. I believe that they did. And I think you would have heard now from enough sources, if that wasn't the case or this or that, the Nuggets were willing to pony up the money. Second of all, it doesn't even have to do with where they willing to pay $20 million. It has more to do with you only have so many resources in the NBA. And do you want to allocate $20 million, yeah. $20 million worth of resources to a player that if you win a championship, I think is at best your fourth best player, maybe your fifth best player, maybe your sixth best player. Those are the type of moves that get teams into purgatory. They end up over committing to guys they can't afford to lose. Now, maybe Denver could have adjusted down the road and traded him or this or that. You could make that argument. But at the end of the day, none of this matters. Jeremy Grant chose Detroit over Denver. It wasn't the other way around. Denver didn't choose not spending the money than, than spending the money on Jeremy Grant. And it wasn't about the money, like you mentioned, Adam. Right. From everything we heard, Denver was willing to up their offer to $20 million. But from what I, I kind of feel the situation was like, it's almost like Jeremy Grant had his mind made up before free agency started. 100%. And it really wasn't going to matter what the Nuggets came back with. He was already dead set on going to Detroit. It feels like that deal was already 
Um, I mean, I don't know, like a handshake agreement or whatever. We know these things happen. And it seemed like he had already just made up his mind and the Nuggets just were kind of in the dark. That That's at least my read on it. An opportunity. I mean, I really do think that there you, you start putting pieces together here. But again, the idea of going to a familiar with a familiar crew, you know, people that he already knew in Detroit, I think has as much to do with it as anything. And, you know, the bigger role, the promises. I mean, you can imagine having a connection to someone and someone telling you like, hey, man, come join me. Come join your boys. And I'm going to give you this and you're going to be the we're going to make you a featured player. And yeah. this or that it just becomes more. I guess that that's what the call was for Jeremy Grant. So that, that me, part that part of it's still like a little wild to me because I can see how a guy like Jeremy Grant, 26 years old, just had this like breakout run in the playoffs, how him potentially being that quote unquote number one option that can be appealing, but I'm worried that life's going to come at him awfully fast. And like, he's going to find out pretty quickly how much tougher it is playing basketball without Nikola Jokic. Like that's his right. And I applaud him for wanting that challenge of being the number one guy, but um, I don't think he's that guy. Maybe he'll prove me wrong, but I just, I just don't think I, he's that I guy. I would love to fail at $60 million, though. I'd like I know. To, you know what, DRBR? Sure. Screw not bad. you guys. I'm going to start my own company. Nah, it didn't work out, but you know what? That would suck, though. Like, if you became like a Nicholas <laughs> Batum, like somebody that just right? everybody recognizes as an anchor, like a t- right, like yeah. the reason the team couldn't be oh, good because so they had to pay yeah. you. Like that, yeah. you don't want that so either. good if it weren't for D line. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Wait a minute, are you guys offering me twenty million dollars? Is that what I'm to pick up on this? All right, yeah, I We're accept. Gonna stretch it. I We're accept. Stretch fine. it over uh, five years so we can sign somebody. Oh, well, no, that's fine. Uh, so I, I agree with you. I mean, nothing against him. I just don't. I don't think he's a lead guy. But you know, like I said, I don't think he's gonna. I don't know that he's gonna regret this decision um, for whatever that's worth. It is funny. Somebody saw. I saw on, on Twitter. Somebody put out. He wore his number nine. Andre Godala wears number Dude. nine. Retire the number. You know, just, <laughs> no, you just get rid of it. Don't you don't retire the number. You dispose of the number. The dispose of the number. It's no longer. Yeah. Nobody could ever wear number nine. I, did you see? Yeah, did like you it. see? It's because it's it's German for no, no. Nine? Is that what it is? Is that what it is? See, I didn't know. I was trying to piece together what it was, and now that, that makes so much sense. Nine! Uh, yeah, yeah, so, there's a little nugget for you. You didn't need but a lot of people didn't know that. Um, so here's the here's a couple ways where I, I differ a little bit from yesterday. Yesterday I put a lot of the onus on the front office because and I still do, like in, in this way, they didn't know. And look, sometimes players don't let you know. Sometimes players lead you on. Sometimes players go silent. Sometimes players do these different things. But I do feel like Denver, and I think they probably readily admit this. We'll probably hear from Tim Conley when all this is is done and all contracts are signed and everything. I I imagine he will say some form of, we felt like we had this one done. It got away. And I think that... Even they have to take a little bit of ownership of that. Now, did they just get screwed over? Yes, I think that's part of, a big part of what happened. And sometimes that happens, but it doesn't matter. Sometimes when that happens, you know, it, it, it harms you. But the one thing I will say is that, especially, and I put this thread out on Reddit today. I think a lot of people saw it because it got a lot of traction. But it's how I honestly feel. And I'm not trying to, like, um, you know, put the rosy glasses on for this one. I said all year that I thought Jeremy Grant was a bit was was quite a bit overrated by Denver Nuggets fans and even going into free agency because I thought that he unlocked Denver's best lineup going forward which would be Michael Porter and, and Nikola Jokic in the front court. You have to sandwich them by a guy I explained, you know, Jeremy Grant being a guy that can defend the 3 or the 4, that means you put him on whichever forward spot is the better player and Michael Porter can always take the lesser forward on the defense and that's a huge benefit mm-hmm. you take that away now and, and i think that's the biggest loss but that's a postseason loss not to diminish it because let's be honest if the nuggets yeah. with this roster go into the postseason right now 
I don't feel great about it. I, the West, some teams in the West got a lot better, and I think Denver got less versatile. And that's in a playoff series, you're going to have to play a bunch of different types. So in that way, I think the Denver Nuggets got got worse, and I'm not trying to sugarcoat that. But when we look at the regular season, where, and we're going to talk about Jermichael Green in a second, I actually, and, and the numbers bear this out, Jeremy Grant in the regular season was one of the biggest negatives on the roster. That whole second unit was so yeah. negative because of how bad they were as a five-man unit. But this is a rare thing. If we go across the last three seasons, if you share the court with Jokic and Murray, regardless of who else is on the court, if you share the, the, the court with them, you're almost certainly a positive. Jeremy Grant was a negative this season when he shared the court with those guys. That's a really, really rare thing. Now, individual net ratings, there's a lot of noise in there. But we can at least look at 30, 40 players that have shared the court with Murray and Jokic and be like, okay, a lot of positives in there. Who are the negatives? You know, Trey Lyles, Emmanuel Moutier. Like, okay. Moutier was the first one I thought of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so it's like, okay, if you're only – if you got 40 players that are positive and two that are negative and, and then you're in that company, there's probably at least something there. So my perspective – the reason I go on this long-winded rant here wind, and tell me if you agree or not, I feel like Denver in the regular season can mitigate what they lost in Jeremy Grant I don't want to say without skipping a beat, but it actually, I will say, possibly without skipping a beat, especially if they get contributions from guys like Michael Porter, who's a question mark, and maybe from a Bull Bull, a Gary Harris, a little bit better Barton. But I, I just think Denver's set up to not skip a beat in the regular season. Yeah, I, I agree. If you think back to last regular season, Jeremy Grant was not like this standout guy uh, night in, night out, like he was in the playoffs when – Obviously, injuries happened to Will Barton. He was elevated to this clear third most important player. He was not anything close to that guy in the regular season. He was on that second unit yeah. playing next to Mason Plumley, playing next to Torrey Craig and Monte Morris and whoever else was out there. And he was just, you know, a, a quality role player. Uh, that's who he was. Uh, he didn't really stand out like he did in the playoffs. And I think if you sub Jamichael Green in there, I honestly don't think the bench unit is really going to drop off from where it was a year ago. It, it might even be better, to be quite honest, because I think Jamichael Green does some stuff at the four with his rebounding, with his just physicality right. that Denver really missed on that second unit with Jeremy Grant at the four. So I don't I'll think it's going to hurt them. Say, I guess I was going to say, I'd go as far as to say that Jamichael Green at the power forward, I think is actually a really big upgrade over Jeremy Grant at the power forward. Right. I don't think that's true at the small forward spot. So that that's where you lose is that versatility. Yeah. But during the regular season, I think you get less of that and more of just you're this position, you're this position, you know, right. you're this assignment, whatever. Yeah. So I don't think in the regular season they're going to see a big drop off. But you're right. In the playoffs, Jamichael Green is not a three. He's not a guy who can go between right. a ton of positions and defend. He's a four or five defensively. So that's going to hurt. And I, I think – Looking at this roster right now, there's just such a clear hole for a defensive stopper on the wing. If I'm Denver, I'm trying to find that guy before the yeah. trade deadline because I don't think you can go into the playoffs with this roster right now and expect to advance super far. How hard do you think it would be to find just a pure defensive specialist that is just like a badass defender but maybe doesn't even bring anything to the offensive end? Like how, how rare are those I mean, guys? No, it, I think it's it's easier than finding the opposite just right. because offense gets you paid. Defense, mm -hmm. I mean, you have to be bringing something. So I think it it is doable. We're going to get to I, – I don't. I was going to go somewhere with that, Eric, because one of the things – and I'll tease it. I don't think the Nuggets roster that they have right now it, it will necessarily be the roster that they go into the postseason with next year. And so if we're talking and we happen to agree with this, you know, we'll, we'll find out. There is – the injury concern is real because now you're really relying on Michael Porter. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, Jeremy Grant being gone, the Nuggets are all in on Michael Porter this season. There's no other option. 
mean, yeah. they've got an enormous amount of guards. They've got a, a, a handful of bigs, although some of them are a little deeper on the rotation. But you look at the small forward position, it's Michael Porter Jr. It's Keita Bates-Diop. I think it's Will Barton, who we're not even sure is going to be healthy for the start of the season. We'll find We'll probably get an update on that, you know, in a week and a half or so, as training camp's only a week away. So... Right now, you just you're so thin there that the Denver Nuggets are all in on Michael Porter. He's going to play this season, and if he doesn't play, the Nuggets are in trouble. Like if he goes out to injury, there's just not really a guy there. So, I think during the regular season, they've got what they're looking for. But going into the postseason, not and and I think they can make some moves. But you know, it, now we can get to Jamichael Green because there was a moment in time, there was a couple hours where Denver had lost out on Jeremy Grant, and it was just like, well, now what? Are they going to go and sign Millsap for a bunch? You looked around. Jamichael Green, I know this, this I know this is this is kind of crazy to say. Actually, let me first go back. Let me backtrack just a second. Harrison, let's forget about title windows. Let's forget about 2021. Let's talk about 2021 through 2023. Would you mm-hmm. rather have Jeremy Grant for all three of those at 20 million a year, or would you rather not have Jeremy Grant at all and lose him for nothing? Um, probably not at all. Probably not it's, at all. Because you can get a Jamichael Green for a, a fraction of the price. That, that's and, why. And, and that's the and that's the kind of the point I'm bringing here is I think that Denver having Jeremy Grant for 20 million in 2021, it's like okay, we'll take it. That's like an overpay, but whatever. It's one year. You'll take it because he makes you better this year. I think Denver's probably worse in the playoffs at least right now without him. But going forward, you start to talk about other guys that. Um, you know, you have to pay and, and building your roster and adding pieces around the periphery, you start adding tw- overpaying by a guy by, by, I don't know, 40, 50, 60%, then I think that really hamstrings your ability to be flexible going forward. So I agree, I happen to agree with you. I just think it's the first year you prefer Jeremy Grant. Second, third, you probably prefer nobody. But Jermichael Green, to me, this is the second question. Would you rather have Jeremy Grant for $20 million or Jermichael Green for seven and a half? It's so easy to me. It's Jermichael Green. Right. Um, Jermichael Green is a really quality player, guys. If you remember back to that Clippers series, he, he was yeah. really good against Denver. Yeah, I'm looking at the game log right now. Game two, Jamichael Green, 26 minutes, 10 points, 11 rebounds. Game uh, game six, 11 points. Game seven, 11.6 rebounds. This guy's a really quality player. And speaking to people that kind of cover the Clippers, just a couple people in the media, they're hurting that they lost right. to Michael Green. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he was a significant piece to what the Clippers are doing. Yeah. He can shoot threes. He, he yeah. shot it pretty much as well from three as Jeremy Grant did last season. He's a much better rebounder than Grant. He's a much more physical defender. Now, he doesn't have the defensive versatility that Grant does and the ability to go out and guard wings and whatnot, but he's a very solid player that um, Denver is really happy to have. They were high on him for a while, and it was Denver's plan B. So they got their plan B. Right. Especially once, like, Covington was gone and and maybe maybe there were some of those other guys, but – I th- if we watched it, we talked about it as that series was happening. <laughs> the Clippers three- replaced Green with Ibaka, so yeah, yeah I, they're, I, probably I not, they, they're probably not hurting as bad as as they were, but they were upset when let's talk, uh, when they lost them. Let's in talk that about time. that though. Let's talk about it for just one second, Ibaka, because I think Ibaka is obviously a fantastic player, a little long in the tooth, but their problem last year was they couldn't guard Jokic. I mean, that was their problem. Yeah. They did not. Ha- they were not built to to stop Jokic, and he murdered right. them. Ibaka is really good. I don't know that he can stop Jokic either. Like those undersized, stretchy guys. They're really good against most guys, but Jokic is too smart. He's too strong. Yeah. Like he's Ibaka's people don't realize smart, he's though. one of the like five strongest centers in the league yeah. as well. So 
But Ibaka is not like quite that mold of just like the big athletic dumb center that Jokic dominates. Like Ibaka's smart about it too. Like there's plenty of smart, but under Jokic again, this is part of what's so great about him. Like your PJ Tucker, no, he's even smaller. But I'm talking about your smart guys that know what to do. Jokic is smarter than ever, than all but three or four players in the NBA. So you can't outsmart him. That's not your advantage. So if that goes to Jokic, then the size end up going to Jokic and and all of that. Then yeah, that's what it is. Defensively, of course. You know, now he's going to have to guard the perimeter and this or that. But again, the Ibaka of right now, I'm not sure is the Ibaka of, you know, five, six years ago. So Mm -hmm. he's going to knock down some shots. You know, he's going to stretch the court, but I don't know that he is going to replace. Anyway, that's a story for another day because we're we're five, six, seven months away from where we have to worry about matching up with the Clippers in the playoffs. But getting back to Jermichael Green, when we were watching that playoff series this last year, I thought Montrezl Harrell was barbecue chicken against Jokic, as did the rest of the world. It was fun to watch on, on Twitter. That, that Everybody every- except the Lakers thought that. Apparently. <laughs> well, I mean, look, he's, he's going to get the old treat. You know, this is going to be the DeMarcus Cousins, like, this treatment. When he's got Anthony oh Davis and LeBron God. James alongside him, he's going to look yeah. really good against Jokic. So I'm sure I had to throw that one in there. Yeah, he's going to do this one. But, um, and then you go to Zubats, who was just getting absolutely murdered by him. The only guy that I thought well, out there that I was like, you know, who's making Jokic play at 90% is Jermichael Green. So that just shows you that Jermichael Green is a good defender against bigs. That's why I say I think he's a better post, like small power forward defender mm-hmm. than than uh, Jeremy Grant. So Jermichael Green, and also he can shoot the three, a career, I think like 37, his career three-point percentage is pretty solid. I'll, I'll look it up here as we're talking, but it was, um, you know, he, he's a guy that is not going to be like a dead-eye shooter. Shooter. Yeah, career 37.4, and that's Good. on pretty decent volume for the minutes he played. So I think that Jermichael Green will be a guy that Nuggets yeah. fans like doing the role that he does. Yeah, I mean, again, the thing with Jeremy Grant is that he just went out with such a crescendo. Like He just looked so great in those last series. He looked like an absolute piece that we couldn't miss. Um, it makes me, you know... It, the thing you're left with is thinking like, okay, cool. Is this the Jeremy Grant we're going to have from now on? Because this is like a major addition yeah. to the offense and to the defense. But I also remember feeling that way about JaVale McGee. Like we played at him. <laughs> we played JaVale. <laughs> it, it, we played the Lakers and he yeah, just yeah, like yeah. had one like insanely dominant series. And I was like, we can never let JaVale McGee go. And then we way overpaid him and yeah. – he just like flamed out. So I'm not saying that that's exactly what would happen with Jeremy Grant, but like it can't be ignored that he, you know, and and a lot of this, like had we signed him, we would sweep this other side into the rug. We wouldn't talk about how he was a huge negative throughout the season, but you know, since he is gone, like it's worth bringing up. Like, well, we would talk about that if they signed him for 20 million. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, totally. Right. And he, you know, like the question then would be like, okay, wow, is he going to be able to live up to this salary? Because that's going to be a monumental chunk of our cash moving forward. So he can't just be a glue yeah. guy anymore. He's got to be like a guy. And, you know, does that eat into MPJ's development? Like, uh, are they fighting for, you know, some sort of minutes every now and again? Like, I, you know, does this help with the the log jam that you know we're just constantly faced with as uh, right. you know a team that just constantly is uh, drafting so well so you know fuck it right like I, I that's kind of where i'm at with this like i feel that way. <laughs> i feel like i feel like jamaica green like he can hit threes like uh we've got yeah. such great players on our squad like i, I mean i can like wring my hands about it but like, like fuck it fuck him let's go baby <laughs> um so all right we got we talked about jamichael green i think he'll be good um starter backup i did i mean i did, 
I'm not even sure how that's going to shake up right now at the minutes. I mean, Millsap, his minutes have been declining every single year, and I think he's in line to decline even more because, you, especially with a condensed season, theoretically you want him to go. The other thing about Jermichael Green I'll say really quick is that I think that value, again, this is where Jeremy Grant and the contract and Jermichael Green's contract is tough. Jermichael Green is a tradable contract. It's two years, $7.5 million. So if Denver got mm -hmm. to a point in yeah. going at, you know, at the trade deadline, he's done his job, he's carried you through, Bull Bulls come along. I don't know, maybe this happened. Bull Bull or, or Zeke Nagy has come around along and you're like, you know what, we can trust these guys to the minutes that we need them to play. He then becomes a tradable asset. And if you stack his contract on top of, say, Will Barton or Gary Harris's, now you're in the ballpark of a, a max contract player or this or that. So obviously you have to add if you're if you're trying to get a max contract player, you know, some a Paul George or a Bradley Beal or something like that. You're going to have to throw in the things the team would actually want. So like a bowl, like a picks, like whatever. But now you have guys that can make those contracts work that are on contracts that teams would would be fine absorbing or taking in. Um but let's go. Let's move on to the next one, which is Tory Craig, who's gone. And I see a lot of comments in the in the comment section right now. And one of the things people are saying, and you're not wrong, who's going to guard Kawhi and LeBron? Because Jeremy Grant held Kawhi Leonard to zero points in the fourth quarter. Although some of that was probably Kawhi holding himself to zero points in the fourth quarter. He looked. I'd never seen Kawhi look feeble before. But that's exactly what he looked like in that fourth quarter of Game Seven. But Jeremy Grant did a. I think gave a valiant effort against those guys and. Made, made some big plays. Torrey Craig's now gone. The Nuggets extended a qualifying offer, then rescinded it, basically just saying, we're not bringing you back. And I wonder, in part, some of this was, once, if you do bring him back and Jeremy Grant's gone, guess who's Malone's going to lean on in the fourth quarter of close games? It's going to be Torrey Craig. I guarantee you that Michael Porter could make leaps and bounds improvement, but it would be very hard. So I think part of this was taking the training wheels off and saying, hey, we need Michael Porter this year. We can't have any safety blanket to help you beat Atlanta on Tuesday night in game five of the regular season. We got we to gotta get this, this progress here. But the flip side of that is Denver does not have a stopper above six foot four and Gary Harris. And, and they don't have one that can guard a three, uh, namely. So Harrison... To, to explain to me why this isn't a, isn't concerning? I mean, it's super concerning. And that's why I said at the top of the show, that's got to be their number one priority during the season before the trade deadline. Go out and get like a Trevor Ariza, who I'm pretty sure would actually be available right now. He's deep on the bench in Oklahoma City. Um, I've got to think they're going to rely on P.J. Dozier defensively a lot to just kind of be that spot assignment type guy. And here's yeah. another thing, guys. Will Barton during the regular season, yep. what he did defensively was probably underrated. Will Barton had the best defensive season of his career this Great last point. year. And he was obviously not available in the playoffs. The sense I get just talking to people around the team is that they have really high expectations for Barton this season. And there, I know people within the organization think, hey, if we had Barton for that Lakers series, we're pushing them to six. We're pushing them to seven. Maybe we're pushing them in that seventh game. Yeah. The injury, though, is super scary with Barton because uh, he's been working out in Miami really since he left the bubble. I, I don't know what his status is for the start of the regular season. I feel like that's a little up in the air. But I just get the sense that Denver wants to rely on Will Barton and just sees him as a huge part of what they're going to do. What do you think about Dozier as well, uh, Eric? Like, I mean, he's a little bit smaller, but man, I Dozier's a guy I love his defense, T uh, team defense and on ball defense. Yeah, it's funny like that that three spot in the NBA is the trickiest. It's because you have a lot of like really good guys that um, PJ Dozier can match up against, and then you have like 
freaks of nature that are at that position. You have like LeBron James, you have Kawhi Leonard, you have like that sometimes you just run into on a night where we're just not going to be able to do anything. Like PJ Dozier can't guard LeBron James. Like Will Barton can't guard LeBron James reliably. Um, you know, like I, I saw, I mean, laugh, but I saw Noah Vonley like match up against the Rangers <laughs> for a laugh. while. Like, there was uh, that one game three years ago. Yeah, I mean, like, one game. But I at least, <laughs> I, I, but at least, at least, like, I saw like a physical comparison, even though obviously yeah. LeBron James is a million times better than these. I'm just saying, like, I don't know, man. Like, <sighs> it, the defense is going to be a big question. It's like, I, yeah, I almost just wonder. I mean, the the real question is, is like, does this team change its philosophy entirely? Does this become? A <laughs> well, team they got like, Compasso. They uh, they're that, Michael Porter Jr. is going to take on a huge role here. Totally. I don't know. I mean, did they? I mean, they, could they become like the ball is popping early ten year Malone Nuggets again? Is it like is that on the table? <laughs> I love this Hastings vibes because it's been Scott Hastings has been saying for 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 a while. If your team's an offensive team, just lead into offense. And I think I'm with him on a lot of it, but. You still have to be good defensively. Like I mean, we learned. I, I was sure. the guy banging the drum about like de- it, de- defense doesn't win championships. Like it's defense and offense does. But if you're a better offense team, you just it's all a, a measurement. If you're great at offense, you don't have to be as good on defense. But Denver's going to have to be somewhat good on defense, just because the teams at the top are good at defense, and you're not going to score on the Lakers 120 points per game. So. You're going to have to be able to get some stops. So it's a real concern. I think that, mm-hmm. again, if Denver went into the playoffs with the lineup is currently constructed, even if you make a theoretical theoretical leap for, for Michael Porter Jr. and maybe even Bull Bull, I still feel like that's a team that's very susceptible to a great wing. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, LeBron James, Luka Doncic, maybe even a Brandon Ingram. You don't want to get into a – you don't want to get Rodney Hooded where you get into a series yeah. and you're like, we are the better team, but we just don't have anybody that can yeah. guard Rodney Hood, and he keeps scoring 25 a game. And right. we've got um, this, so the, we've got the leak in the in the boat that like, we just cannot plug. They just the leak score. in the boat, exactly way, a way to put it. Um, the other me, uh, deal, and maybe we talk about a Tory replacement. <laughs> maybe it's Greg Whittington, who I know when we did our free agency board, Harrison, you had Whittington at the very top of the list. <laughs> Number one guy, Greg Whittington. No, I'm just kidding. This is a guy I'd never even heard of until the other day. So tell me, give me the rundown, Harrison. Who's this guy? Yeah, not official yet, but uh, it seems like Denver oh, okay. wants to sign this guy to a two-way spot. Um, and... The other part of that move is that they want to elevate Bull Bull to a standard NBA deal. And really I've, heard, I've heard that Bull could compete for minutes at the three and four next year uh, as a backup. So that's a so super fascinating hear, subplot. People need to understand this this thing that Tim Conley really hyped Nikola Jokic before I had ever heard of him. Like at, the, the first night of the draft, he was talking about him and Jokic wasn't even coming over for a year. Then they were really hyping him. Like, wait, do you guys see this guy? He just had an incredible year. Yeah. Turns out he was right. It wasn't. You always think when somebody hypes their guys that you're like, all right, Tim, you don't have to sell me on it. Like, what do you want me to do? But Tim really has done this for him. He's done it for Jamal Murray. He's done it for um, Michael Porter. Remember how much buzz there was for Michael Porter at summer, like mm-hmm. heading into summer league, and then he tweaks oh, yeah. his knee and doesn't get to play. But they were hyping him left and right. And you're thinking like, dude, are they putting too much pressure on Michael Porter right now by hyping him as much? And the answer was no, because he's actually is everything yeah. talent-wise. He's everything that people said about him. So when I start hearing about Bull Bull and how they're so high on him, and I saw all these other fan bases and people saying like, you know, Bull Bull isn't that great of a, a value prospect or this or that. And then the Nuggets front office is saying, well, yes, he is. They were not saying that, yes, he is not like you can't trade him for Drew or anything like that. They never they never made a statement like that. But they're hyping him as in like, hey, no, we really actually believe in him. I, I, I am optimistic that Bull Bull is going to surprise a lot of people just because of how much 
how positive they seem to be on him. Yeah, and the word is he's been in Denver a lot during the offseason. He's been around coaches. He's been around the Nuggets player development guys. And he's apparently been working his ass off from everything I've heard. So Denver's looking to reward him here by bumping up to an actual roster spot. And then, um, yeah, to get to Greg Whittington, who's who's rumored to be the other two-way signing, a 27-year-old guy on a two-way. That that, that might be (laughs) one of the older guys to go on a two-way. But Greg Whittington played at Galatasaray in Turkey last season. So he's coming from overseas. Really strong squad. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little behind on my uh, watching the league, but and, yeah. And and who he is is a six foot eight combo forward. Um, he's an efficient shooter. Shot 51 percent from three last season. Not on a ton of attempts, but on you know three threes per game. I'm pretty sure a good rebounder. Five and a half rebounds per game. Twelve point four points. So. He seems to me uh, to be a happy medium between Jeremy Grant and Tory Craig. <laughs> that, that's the kind of player that, that he seems to be. Uh, a two-way guy who's you know a pretty good athlete, can play defense, uh, seems like he's got a pretty capable three-point shot. He, he seems to be a, a bit of a, a guy that's going to be in between Jeremy Grant and Tory Craig, not in terms of impact, just in terms of what his game is kind of like. Man, I kind of like this that the Nuggets are like always looking outside of the NBA for for talent. Like it, like it's. I mean, if you know, like if we're gonna continually get scorned by American NBA players, like let's get like let's get people that want to be here. It's like exciting for them to come to Denver. I mean, it sucks we have to sell the city to people, and for some reason they're not they're not buying anyway. Don't like it. No, not a fan. I don't like it either. But like, (laughs) so like you know, like if this dude likes Denver, he's like really excited. He's a great defender. Like I'm all about it. Let's let's do it. Uh, so if you look at the Tim Connolly two like two way these the out of out of left field guys, Tory Craig, well that panned out. He was an NBA player. Um, Devon Kuhn Purcell didn't pan out. That one wasn't it wasn't true. Um, uh, you get Kenrich Williams is an NBA player. Uh, you get Terrence Davis is an NBA, a very good NBA player, probably the best of that whole bunch outside of his off court issues. But so when I see the Whittington guy, Denver's what three and one, I think. If we just look at the guys that that you know have had this opportunity mm-hmm. with Denver, so the odds to me are like okay, I'm optimistic that this guy can turn yeah. into something. The other piece of the trade, I mean, the Nuggets did trade. Uh, Kata, uh, I'm sorry, they did trade Malik Beasley and Wancho Hernan Gomez, Ugh. not just for the 22nd pick, but also for Kata Bates Diop, who is this guy. By the way, when I was doing, when I was researching players for the Denver in the draft and I was looking at wingspan, like crazy wingspan, dispar- height to wingspan disparities because of how much I liked my guy, Paul Reed. One of the guys that popped off was Kata Bates Diop, who has like an incredible wingspan. Like if you just talk about physical attributes, Kata Bates Diop actually has some like insane wingspan length, like just mobility. So I don't know. Cause I hadn't seen very much at all from KBD. Like it, it haven't really heard a whole lot about KBD, but at least he's another guy that you could say is there that I don't know. I mean, Greg Winnington, Kata Bates-Diop, maybe they're competing for like breaking cl- in case of glass. Well, I, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I'm just going to ruin your night, but <laughs> oh no, <laughs> our guy, Mike Singer reported today that the Nuggets might not guarantee Kata Bates-Diop's contract for next season, which would leave one open roster spot, which I believe Denver's going to fill with a backup center. So your guy, KBD, uh, I don't know what his future (laughs) is. I don't want to say it's my guy. I was just bringing up the KBD? Uh, KBD is TBD. All right. Well, pour one out for Kata. We barely do you. Um, 
All right, the last one here on our list here to talk about is Compazzo, who we've talked about a little bit, but it's official now. Or actually, is it official? I don't think it is official, but it's it, it sounds like we... Nothing's it, official. RJ Hampton is, isn't even a nugget. Yeah, RJ Hampton isn't even officially a nugget. I, <laughs> maybe we should cut our intro off of this. Uh, um, the, but, elec- the election we had a month ago is not official. Nothing's official. There's nothing official, apparently. Uh, I want to recount on that Western Conference Finals. I, I, I swear it's two to one. It's not official. Unofficial. Yeah, Asterisk. Unofficial. Um, so... Campazzo, though, it looks like he's going to be on the team, and here's why I bring him up. We've already talked about him, so if you want to go back to previous podcast episodes, of course, we're available on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast, DNVR Nuggets Podcast. Check it out. But if you go back um, and look, what we, we, we talked about his skill set, great passer, super teeny. So, again, the defense thing is going to be an issue, but Denver now has Jamal Murray as the starter. Monte Morris is probably the backup, I assume, unless he's competing with Campazzo, which I think would be, you know, that'd be tough. You got Campazzo. And you've got Dozier. Um, that's a lot of point guards. That's four point guards. So if you look at four guard spots, you know, where a guy's playing, I think Gary Harris is the shooting guard, the starting shooting guard. I think Jamal Murray's obviously the starting point guard. But I wouldn't be surprised if Will Barton was the backup yeah. small forward. And then oh. you'd throw him out of the guard rotation. So now you look at is the backup Compazzo and Monte, a duo there. Is it, you know, is PJ Dozier get in the mix somehow in that frame? But that's that's what I'm looking at is that this signals that maybe Denver is going to play a lot smaller than they did last season at the guard spots. Yeah, I think they're going to look smaller, but that bench unit should be more potent offensively. I wonder if Denver kind of looked at what happened in the playoffs. And yes, there was an injury to Will Barton, who's like could really initiate stuff on the offensive end. Um, I wonder if Denver looked at the playoffs and was like, we could really use some more like playmakers in the, in the backcourt. Like we could really use mm-hmm. some more guys just to make stuff happen. Because if you remember, and funny enough, this is what Michael Porter Jr. said, but it was just the Murray Jokic show. And right. it was great yeah. for Denver. It, right. it, it got Denver to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, right. but great point, Harrison. I like this. It just kind of felt like they needed, you know, some more initiators. Composo's that guy. I, I think they're going to try to play Composo and Monte Morris together. Two guys who can like run pick and roll, get into the paint, create types of offense. I don't know how it's going to be defensively, but it seems like Denver is pretty confident that it's going to be effective. So I'm 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 intrigued. (laughs) I'm intrigued. By by the way, Rick Carlisle's Dallas teams, not just this iteration of them, but for the last decade have all featured two, three point guards. Yep. And because he loves to, I mean, he's a, he's a little bit of an overbear. Like he really likes to have his thumb on, on the scale of what's happening, but he also likes to have a lot of decision makers and ball handlers. And to your point, the ball gets popping when you have a lot of guys that can, that, <laughs> that can, that can make it. plays. So we, mm-hmm. maybe, the, maybe the ball at ball arena, the ball gets popping now a little <laughs> bit more than, uh, than ever before. And again, we're talking about regular season. Do I think that's going to work against the giant uh, Los Angeles Lakers? Probably not. It probably gets murdered if Compazzo gets matched up with LeBron in a playoff series. Mismatch, quite a bit of a mismatch. But in the regular season, I do think that there's something, too, that can really facilitate some great offense. And who benefits from that? Not just the whole team, but also Michael Porter. Because so often, especially in the playoffs when it did devolve so much into that two-man game, which was a great two-man game, maybe the one of the top three two-man games in all the NBA, mm-hmm. But Michael Porter, it felt like he was freezed out of that. So maybe you add a couple more playmakers to the rotation and it works. Eric, what do you think about – we had long boys, now we're going small ball. What do you think? 
Well, I mean, I wonder if uh, Composer can be like a J.J. Barrett type kind of like. A, that's that's kind of who he is. Yeah, yeah like, um, and that those those squads used to give us. I mean, how many times was J.J. Barrett just like ruined our night? Composer, <laughs> by the way, comps to J.J. Barrett. That's like his like. That's what everybody keeps saying. He's a little flashier, but it, it you know maybe, yeah, but he's just so teeny. And he play, kind of plays like him. Yeah, I'm saying like, you know, I don't. I'm really wondering like how intentionally they are trying to reshape their rosters to change the way that they are philosophically approaching basketball, or if they are just getting good players that they they're seeing that they just cannot let pass up that they are bringing into the fold. And they're sort of thinking like, we'll just get a bunch of good players and it will work out kind of thing. Um, Tim has sort of mentioned that he looks at it both ways. It seems like. Um, so I, I mean, I don't really know. I mean, I could really see them like going small. Like, I, I mean, I, I'm trying to imagine the way that the, the starting lineup looks like with Michael Porter jr. Like really becoming the third spoke on that wheel with the uh, is Paul Millsap going to be the starting four? Yeah, I was I was going to say we should go through like what do we know what the I starting would think so, right? look like? So, it's interesting because uh, I, I mentioned this briefly at the top because I just think that you don't want to play him too many minutes throughout the year. That's going to be a condensed season. Yeah. So, my hunch would be that if you got him to 20 22 minutes a game in the regular season, that's a good number. And to do that, you probably have to bring him off the bench unless you're doing that weird start the first half start the yeah, second. Yeah, you don't want to so, do that. I kind of think no, but um so yeah, is it Jamichael Green or is it Michael Porter Jr. at the four? I could see all iterations. Of, I mean, I think it's too soon, honestly, to say that. I, I really – I mean, look, the, yeah. the, I think it's too soon for the Nuggets to even say this. Look, yesterday they thought it would be Jeremy Grant. So I think all of this is kind of in flux at the moment. But Jamichael Green is 29 or 30. I can't remember. 20, I think he's 29. So I think he's probably in line to be the workhorse of the power forwards. Yeah, he Millsap, can eat up some minutes. Yeah, Paul Millsap, something else. So – um, so I don't know. So we'll see. But I do think to, to kind of wrap this all up and, and bring it back, I do think you look at it and say, this is the year of MPJ. And if it's not, then the Nuggets are in big trouble. And big trouble. To, to me, I think that's a great thing. We talked about the Nuggets taking the training wheels off of Michael Malone. And look, the Denver Nuggets made it, I think, as far as you realistically could have expected them to this year. They weren't better than the Lakers. Mm -hmm. I just, I mean, they, they lost to the Lakers in the way that I think they probably should have. Maybe Anthony Davis doesn't make that three and this gets a little more competitive. But right. I just think it's safe to say that the Lakers were probably better than the Nuggets. And that's not – I don't yeah, – I, I just don't think that's controversial. Right. But, uh, you know, going in – so they accomplished what they needed to with the wheels off and Michael Porter got this or that. But going forward, like, this is it. you got to find out if Michael Porter is your third guy. If you got to find out yeah. if he is or isn't. you got to find out if he can play 82 games – or I guess 72 games. you got to see if he can play 30 minutes per game. You got to see if he can grow up defensively, and I do think that it was beneficial for him to find out that there was nowhere to hide on the defensive end for him in a playoff series because he was all bubble, second team all bubble in the seeding round. And I think if you just had that and the season ends right there, I think Michael Porter goes in the offseason and goes, "What do I need to work on defense for, guys? I'm mm -hmm. second team all bubble. Joker wasn't all bubble. Murray wasn't all bubble. I'm, I'm all bubble. But when you get into a playoff and you hop on social media, which we know he can get on social media, and literally yeah. every analyst." Charles Barkley, or you go to television and national analysts, every local and a blog boy, everything is being like, wow, Michael Porter can't guard a chair if it has wheels on it. Then I think that at some point he has to say, okay. And I think he did. I think he looked yeah. at that and said, as good as mm -hmm. I am, there's a hole in my game. And like, I'm the guy getting targeted. So I hope that this year he has to make that leap because if he doesn't, all this other stuff we're talking about, it doesn't yeah. matter. It really doesn't matter. They need Michael Porter to be that third guy for him this year. It's absolutely true. And like the thing about Michael Porter, his shortcomings on defense were all mistakes. It, w it wasn't like he was physically 
unable to match up against whoever it is that he was being put up against. Him. Like he would be rotated into the wrong position. He'd be running across. Like, and I mean, I, I got to think that those things can be learned. Like that's just, you know, having awareness. And I, I mean, that, that's everybody you know, learns about different stages yeah. though. I mean, I will say that. And he yeah. does seem to be on the slower learning scale, but he's just so talented. Exactly. Exactly. And you, you got to uh-huh. think that his physicality and his athleticism can make up for so much right. uh, transgression on the, the defensive side from like just a schematic standpoint. But he just like, I mean, they just like make it, uh, they put him in a mixer and it's, he's just lost all the goddamn yeah. time. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like you can absolutely get better from that. You can absolutely improve that. I yeah. like this question. How much can you work on defense in the offseason? Not much. I mean, That's, you can work. Yeah, on, it's tough. You work. You can work on your body, but I think that you can watch film. When watching film, but I, I really think that defense is a lot about reps. And so some of this, you know, he didn't play those reps early on. But let's be honest, guys. I think the thing that made Malone frustrated so much during the regular season was, and I don't. I, I, you guys know you listen to the show. Like I, I thought Malone needed to trust him a little bit more and do this, but it didn't feel like. Porter was always making improvements in those areas. It felt like yeah. Malone was like, dude, we go over this every time. Like, how do yeah. you not know what you're supposed to do in this moment? So I do hope that going into this season, Michael Porter, it's not that he feels victimized or this or that, but he feels responsible because the team desperately needs him to be good at yeah. that. And mm-hmm. if he does make that leap, the sky's the limit for him. And this can be great. It reminds me of when the Denver Nuggets almost brought in Dwayne Wade in 2017. Mm. And it was like, is Dwayne Wade better than Gary Harris? And we're like, yes, of course. Gary Harris had maybe his best season ever that next year. Yeah. They didn't, the deal falls apart. Dwayne Wade says, sends a strongly worded tweet saying how he, they wowed him using the own Dwayne Wade. <laughs> Wade the Wade greatest Brown. free agent presentation in the history of yeah. free agent presentations. <laughs> I hope so that great. they, I hope that they put that tweet on the wall. Or something. Yeah, they really <laughs> should. Like hanging in the rafters, and like like it's a championship. But um, that doesn't happen. And Gary Harris blossoms. Okay, so sometimes Jameer Nelson gets shipped out. Jamal Murray makes a leap, and and I think that Michael Porter, if he is the player we all believe him to be, you lose Jeremy Grant. Well, Michael Porter steps up, and it turns out to be a blessing in disguise. Perhaps also a blessing in disguise for Bol Bol, who you now you look at Jamichael Green as your or I one of those two guys starting Millsap being the replacement, but he's the replacement at both power forward and center. Yeah. So you basically have a three-man rotation. I think Michael Porter will slide and play a lot of four, so you kind of have that filled out. But there are minutes available, especially in a season where there's an enormous COVID risk. I mean, I highly doubt we make it through the entire season without oh, a single Denver Nuggets no player chance. getting COVID. Like somebody's no going to get COVID. If we just if the NFL and MB, and Major League Baseball have taught us anything, it's somebody's going to get it. Um, injuries are going to happen. That happens every single year. Yep. And then just 72 games. These guys are going to be playing every other day for four months. There's going to be times when Mil- old man Millsap, hey, he just wants a rest. There's going to be times yeah. when Jokic is like, yo, we just need to rest Jokic. He's a little yeah. he's a little grouchy and we can tell he's tired. He needs a couple nights off. So I think Bull Bull is going to get his opportunity. And that to me makes me so – that makes me very, very excited, very happy. Yeah. It, it, exactly. I, I, I mean I put, out this, I put this on Twitter too. Like I can't – I mean can you just see a world in which the – threesome to replicate the Golden State Warriors that we always thought we had with Jamal, Gary, and Jokic actually was MP3 or MPJ stepping in to that clay role and just right. mm-hmm. raining threes down uh, and, and Jamal We know that threes. this is possible because how many times do we see like Jamal Murray when he gets hot He's so hot. Like, he just so like, can't hot. miss. Like, he just beca- – he gets into those zones like a Curry or like a Clay, where it's like – I mean, he had bat- he had two 50-point games and three games in the playoffs. Like, he, not very many players can do that. It takes a, a player who's 
ceiling when yes. they're on fire is I just am not missing for like seven shots in a yep. row. And, and Michael Porter that. has that too, though. Yeah, cross that with the bubble Porter with all bubble Porter. All bubble like, Porter, thirty-seven <laughs> points and thirty points back to back games, like just, right out like, the gate after not. He, he, he was still like the Nuggets' best shooter in the playoffs as a rookie, right. as right. as a freaking rookie. I mean, could just like allow your mind to go there, like what that could look like. You have Jokic in the center of that machine, and he's just feeding these two on either sides of the of the court, mm-hmm. and they're slinging it across. And you know, and even Jamichael Green, who's very capable of shooting threes. Like I don't know if he ever makes it in the starting lineup, but that's just like a. This is like what we've talked about for Jokic. It's like having him surrounded by shooters like that is the most lethal addition of Nikola Jokic so you know we're gonna lose some defense with this move but maybe a lot but listen like there's more than one ways to win more than one way to win a basketball game like you just need to get more points than the other team however you do it Millsap was bad in the playoffs but again oh and that just gets us too now you got those contracts that you can flip so you, you make it through the regular season I still think Denver's gonna be a very good regular season team I think they have a chance you know, I'm not picking them to be the one seed because I think the West got better. And I think there's a lot of teams out there that are going to compete. Um, and, and the Lakers are, of course, the Lakers. So I'm not predicting them. But I do think they have a chance to be in the mix for that if, if everything breaks right for them. But I think they're going to be good. And I think they're in position to pivot at the trade deadline. This was still, to me, a not great first day of free agency. I think anytime you don't get your number one plan, we have to say that this was a, a bad day for the Denver Nuggets. But I think they rebounded in a way that, yeah. to me... Mm-hmm. You step back and look at the big picture and say it's all there. And if I can just give one little thing here before we go. People were laughing at me when I thought, oh, man, how do I have my coat on here? Hold on. Let me let me take off the coat for a second here. <laughs> I just want to look at it. It's fun. People were texting me like, that lineup's not going to play. Hey, guys, I know. I know it's like, RJ Hampton's probably not going to play at all this year. Bull, bull. Like, who knows? But you know what? It's off season. Let's dream big, baby. RJ Hampton like- in the Wancho jersey has me feeling some type of way, though. It's all it's kind of, you know what, though? You know what, though? He, he's excited to be here as Wancho was. Like, he, you know what? He's got that glow. He's got that just je ne sais quoi. Je ne sais quoi. You know how they talk about, like, how you could, like, uh, take the human <laughs> circulatory system and, like, wrap it around the earth three times? Like, how far can we get laying these guys head to foot to head to foot to head? Are we going to – is this a football field? Like, what are we looking at here? <laughs> this is a long boy lineup that has a lot of, like, hyper-talented players. So, hey, if you can't – you can't have fun and dream every now and then. What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we, doing? Are, like, we doing? are we having fun? Are we here just to like... Look how cool all these other. players are. This is the coolest team in the league right here. Coolest team in the league, baby. Look how cool <laughs> these guys are. You heard RJ Hampton. This is the best place for him to have landed. Best like, pl- hey, he's not wrong about that. That makes me think he's a smart dude, so I like it. Uh, thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us uh, here as we kind of work through this um, and kind of talk through the different scenarios that happened. It was fun. If you're new to the show, hit the like button, hit subscribe on YouTube. You should always watch us on YouTube with video quality. Supreme, supreme quality. <laughs> you can watch it. You can watch it on your TV if you have one of those smart TVs. That's right. A TV. I just learned on your TV. The other day. It's a TV. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, of course, this is the podcast, the DNVR Nuggets podcast. So if you don't know, now you know. Coming to you five days a week. All right, everybody. Be safe.